jealousy can be a really good starting point. So it's like, whose lifestyle am I jealous of? All right, what, like, what is it, you know, about it? So maybe you see the, the freedompreneur on the beach and it's like, oh, I feel jealous, but oh, wait, it's not because they're on a beach. It's because they can work from anywhere. Welcome to the Audience Converter Podcast, the podcast for converting your audience from strangers to loyal fans. We dive deep and discuss how entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches can level up their business to help more people in the world. Now here's your host, the creator of the Audience Conversion Method, Kimberly Whitecamp. Do you find yourself asking questions like, how do I tell if my marketing idea is good? Where should I really spend my time? I'm on a mission to change that. Let's turn how do I know if into I know this works and here's how I'm going to do it. Get your marketing done at Audience Conversion Live happening June 29th through July 1. In this three-day live workshop style event, you are going to create your landing page gift, opt-in copy, and more, and finally shutter the questions on how do I turn my marketing into profit, figure out how to convert your audience from strangers into clients, and a plan for profit from the beginning when you create your marketing at Audience Conversion Live. Check it out at theaudienceconverter.com slash live. And we're back with another fantastic discussion on the importance of building a community and how integral that is to a business and to having the support you need as an entrepreneur. So welcome to another episode of the Audience Converter Podcast for Community Leaders. I'm Kimberly Whitecamp, your host, conversion copywriter and marketing strategist. And today I've got another guest to talk about community building in a virtual way. Most of us are kind of forced to go virtual, but she knew what it was before it became trendy and kind of necessary. So I want to introduce all of you to Megan Taylor Morrison. She is an executive coach, best-selling author, and business and lifestyle strategist. She is also, get this, one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to her, a dance-obsessed world traveler who has taught dances of the swing era for the last 16 years, which we are definitely going to be uh, having a little bit of a chat about because you know what? There is more to all of us than just the businesses we run. And I love that this is part of her bio and what she shares with people. So Megan, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation and talk about, yes, business, but also dancing. <laughs> right? I was like, I, I went and I, I like to get to know my guests a little bit. So I was exploring her website because someone sent her my way. And I was like, oh, you said you dance, that you like dance and travel. We've got to, we've got to connect. That's just it. That's just it. So uh, before we uh, go off on a tangent, though, Megan, I would love to know, you've got a virtual co-working space that has been featured in the New York Times. It's been featured on like you know, if you go to your website, it's like 15 different badges of all the different places you've shown up, which is just amazing and shows how important co-working and uh, networking and virtual community building is to all of us in this kind of sphere. So I would love to know just kind of how you got started with all of that. Yeah, it's so funny, too, because I never would have guessed that the virtual co-working community would be featured in the New York Times. And I'm not sure that it was New York Times it would have interested them before the global pandemic. And then they realized, oh shoot, everyone has to go virtual. And we were way ahead of the curve. We already had a community of awesome people built up and it was pretty pretty wild how in, I think it was, it was March, yeah. So in March, really the month that everything shut down, we got that coverage and it was a really fun way to celebrate what we'd already built. So yeah, and you wanted to hear a little bit about how it got started, is that right? 
Absolutely. I love hearing people's journeys to doing what they're doing, because here's the thing. There's this idea out there, right? That there's only one right way to do business. There's only one right way to build a community. There is for some reason only one right way to be an entrepreneur, which is insane. So I love seeing and hearing from different people about what their journey looked like. Because, you know, we've got corporate escapees. We've got people who've never worked in an office a day in their life. You know, there's all kinds of different ways that we can come to be doing what we're doing. And it's always just inspirational and fun for me to hear how people got to be doing what they're doing. Yeah. Well, there's a certain subset of humans that I work with called the solopreneur, and it is those people who are running businesses, and they're in their early stages of getting it off the ground in the first few years, and they don't yet have employees. They might have contractors that they're working with, and a lot of them don't have business partners either, so they're really in this entrepreneurship game for all intents and purposes on their own. And I just noticed this loneliness epidemic. And I think you and I both know that oftentimes when we're working by ourselves, we're not as productive as we could be. Our morale gets lower. We just feel generally under-resourced. And I decided that I would put together this structured co-working community and bring together all of these solopreneurs to have community together. And it's amazing the difference that it's made in people's productivity, their sense of connection, um, and their ability to just get shit done. (laughs) You know, there's, this is my story. Quite honestly, this is my story. What you just said was exactly my journey. I had it in my head for some strange reason that if I didn't do absolutely everything myself, anything that came my way from somebody else I knew, it like didn't count somehow. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was doing everything myself, right? I was a solopreneur. I was learning basically how to run a business because I never learned how to do any of that kind of stuff. Also, honing my skills, figuring out all the kind of stuff that I was actually doing for clients. And I was exhausted. I was overwhelmed. I was like, God, there's got to be something else to be doing here. And I, I was actually lucky enough to be part of the community already because of the training program I went through to become a copywriter. I'd like mm. gone to an in-person conference back when that was a thing that people could actually do. And I hit it off with one of the other copywriters. And we're like, let's be accountability partners, right? Mm. We're going to check in daily. Here's the thing I'm going to do. And then we're going to like tell each other if we actually did it at the end of the day, which, you know, when you've got that outside motivation, you're, as you said, right, you're more productive. You're a lot more likely to tick off those tasks because you don't want to disappoint the other person. Um, Mm. And every time I've had to switch accountability partners, every time I've not had something like that, you know, I've noticed a, a, a huge difference. So tell me a bit about this virtual co-working space and and how you came about creating it. Like, what does that mean, virtual co-working? Yeah. So one of the things that I had, the structures I picked, picked up on, much like you, was working with other people and doing it side by side. And I'd been working with a structure where I'd sign on with a friend to a video call and we'd say, all right, we're on here for the next two hours what I commit to getting done is X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, we'd both share our intention. Then we'd mute and get to work, but we could still see each other because the video was on. And then at the end of the time, we would check in. And it was just such a wonderful way to avoid distraction and to stay on task. And then, of course, after checking in, we get to laugh a little bit, connect, and then then go on our way. Now, originally, that's how our co-working community started is I found a lot of facilitators who I know and trust who were willing to host these calls because that way your accountability partner isn't 
you know, the, the relationship doesn't fall apart if like, you know, one person or the other has a doctor's appointment or then has a last minute thing or this or that. Like it's a structure that you can rely upon because it's, it's actively hosted. And we've also since added in a few structures to help support people uh, getting into flow state. So, you know, we all work best when we're in flow and that flow state is when we're really in the moment, time's flying, we're into our work. And it's actually a state that can be intentionally created. And so, for instance, I kicked off a co-working call today and we did what I call process simulation. It's, well, not what I call it, it's what scientists call it, process simulation, where we actively visioned ourselves working on the things that we knew we were gonna work on and then hitting that inevitable obstacle that it's just predictable that we're going to encounter and then working through that obstacle in a way that is efficient and allows us to really embrace the attitude that we wanna to bring to our challenges. Because studies show that when we can envision those things, we become more resilient in the face of them. And it also primes us for flow state. So lo and behold, we jump into that co-working session and people are working more productively. They're not getting hung up on the things that they would typically get hung up on. And we get to finish that session having all kicked ass. <laughs> so it's pretty <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's so interesting because I've heard of this idea, right, of like envisioning and the power of vision boards. But the way you just explained it just makes so much sense to me. It's like, why not sit down before you're about to go do something? Imagine what it's going to be like to go do that and then be like, OK, if your worst nightmare came true and this is the problem that showed up, how mm -hmm. are you going to fix it? Yeah. And you're kind of prepared then. So like at least your brain has started that process of thinking through how to think through problems so that it's not as much of a roadblock when you actually sit down and get it done. That's right. And there's a difference between outcome simulation and process simulation. There was this great study done at UCLA where they looked at students doing uh, the results of students who did one or the other. So outcome simulation is envisioning the result that you want. So in this case, stu some students envisioned getting an A on a test. And that's what they envisioned, holding the paper in their hand that has the A written on it, how they felt holding that A, and the other group of students envisioned themselves sitting down to study, continuing to study, you know, studying when the going got tough. And what they found is that the students that had the outcome simulation actually performed worse. <laughs> and the <laughs> students that did the process simulation performed better because when we're just thinking about the outcome, it can actually have us be less motivated because we already feel satisfied. Like we're already getting that that boost of feel-good hormones because we're imagining ourselves already having done it. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And that is fascinating. Isn't it? Because so many mindset tricks, mindset tips, mindset techniques people talk about, it's envision yourself with your best life ever. And yep. I'm one of those people who's like, I don't know what that looks like. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I don't take the time to sit down and be like, okay, this is exactly what I want that to look like. Because for me, it's all about the journey. Yeah. You know, I, I love kind of exploring and going on that path. So I find it fascinating that it's actually more powerful for you to walk through the step-by-step, -step, which is kind of one of the things I specialize in. You know, people have their big vision and I help them create that step-by-step -step so that it actually happens as opposed to, okay, just remember what you want the, the perfect thing to look like. And then your brain starts to think, I guess, that, hey, I, I've got that perfect thing. I don't actually need to do anything to make it happen, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's much more, uh, we're increasing our, our likelihood of succeeding much more if we can imagine ourselves going through 
the nitty gritty of the entrepreneurial process. And it's not as sexy as imagining yourself on a yacht, <laughs> but it certainly is more effective. You know, I, I'm just going to dive into that topic there. I've been on a yacht and unless it's like 90 <laughs> degrees outside, it is cold. It's unbalanced. You can't walk anywhere because the boat's going and you're, you're you know, you're going to topple over. I'm not yeah. a fan of the sun. I turn red as a crab just by looking at it. You know, I, I, I don't want to be living on a yacht. Just say it. I mean, it's so funny that you say that because I actually get more sick seasick than any human I've ever met. And I, <laughs> my dream life is definitely not on a yacht either. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But it's, and it's, that's why it's so fascinating to talk through these processes as well, because for so many of us, other people have defined our success for us. And we're perfectly okay with that. We have seen that, you know, the big promise, like when I first got started copywriting the, um, you know, the sales letters, the marketing, the messaging, everything you saw around this topic was work from your laptop on the beach and make six figures. Mm. And, you know, it was very interesting because I, I wanted to, to, to write and I wanted to kind of be location independent, but I would never want to work on the beach because you have to keep an eye on all of your electronics. You can't actually go do anything if you bring stuff with you because then your stuff may not be there when you get back. There's going to be yep. sand everywhere. It's going to get into your laptop. The sun is usually too bright for you to actually see your computer screen. I was like, in what world is this a good idea to go work on the beach? Yeah. But so many people claim they want that because that's what they see everywhere is that, oh, I want the laptop lifestyle. And you need to make your own definitions of what that looks like. Totally, totally. And, you know, beach, sharks, I just can't, can't get on board <laughs> with sharks. But yeah, it's true. You'd really do have to create your own version of success and get clear on what your values are and what a life based in your unique desires looks like. Because I'm like you, I'm very pale. And even though I enjoy a good trip to the beach, it's not my dream. I would so much rather have my, you know, beautiful uh, house up in the mountains overlooking, you know, snow snow capped peaks. So it's Ooh, intriguing. I know, right? Right. <laughs> so it, it's true. You really have to get clear on what your definition is. And I always like to uh, like to think of it in terms of like, jealousy can be a really good starting point. So it's like, whose lifestyle am I jealous of? All right, what, like, what is it, you know, about it? So maybe you see the, the freedompreneur on the beach and it's like, oh, I feel jealous, but oh, wait, it's not because they're on a beach. It's because they can work from anywhere. And then you can take it as a little hint and run from there. So it's interesting if we're not too familiar with just identifying our desires, I find that jealousy can even be an access point to, to better understanding our desires and creating from there. That is a perspective I've never heard somebody say, but it's so very, very true. Like, yeah, I, as I said, right, I struggle sometimes with like defining what that looks like. And so I'll try and think, be like, all right, what do I see when I look around? What do I want? All right, cool. Mm -hmm. I'll start with that as an idea, as a, as a building block. So yeah. as I mentioned, right, Megan here runs a virtual co-working space. She just kind of started like most of us start in the entrepreneurial world. We saw a problem. We wanted it fixed, whether for ourselves or for other people we knew. And that kind of, it's kind of how it, it grew and, and went beyond. And, you know, one of the favorite questions I always ask, right, is where's your community? How are you bringing your community in? So mm -hmm. tell me, you know, where do you find your community and how do you take them on the path from strangers to loyal fans? 
Yeah. So I find my community lots of ways as what a lot of people would call a digital nomad. I'm always out. I'm always out meeting people. I play to my personal joy rather than my personal strengths. And that is being around others and getting to know them and asking them questions I am genuinely curious about. And I find that oftentimes people become loyal fans because they feel a sense of real connection to me. So, you know, when you are your brand, you might as well play to your joy because it's, it's one and the same, like you and your business are, you know, are married, you're side by side, you're going through the world together. And uh, to get more specific, one of the ways that I find my people is I go dancing, because it is when I am dancing that I am the most joyful, that I'm the most magnetic, because if you see someone doing what they absolutely love, and they're absolutely great at, you're going to be drawn to them. And then I come off the dance floor, I, I do Lindy Hop and blues and collegiate shag and all the dances of the swing era, I come off the, da- the dance floor, and I am glowing. And, you know, I walk up to people and I'm like, hello, and I give them all of my good energy. And so it really does set the precedent for what it's going to be like for them to join my community or what it will be like for us to interact. And I think that while formal community building efforts can be great, and I've certainly done those. To be honest, I found my most loyal, wonderful community members just by going out and doing hobbies that I love. So there's a few things I want to I want to unpack there, right? One thing is that uh, you know all of those swing dances. I know like the basic stuff. Would love to learn more. Um, <laughs> you're I miss dancing so much, not being able mm. to do it nearly as often anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit uh, sad, right? More beyond sad, actually, uh, that it's not so accessible anymore. But one of the things you said, which I really want people to to remember, is that when you are your brand, people are drawn to you. And I have said this again and again and again when it comes to your marketing, but so many of us have this perception that there's a right way to do it, right? And that you have to kind of follow a very specific path in order for anything to work. But the truth is, you need to be in your marketing. You as the face of your brand, you as the business, right? Especially for those of us who are coaches and course creators and online experts and we're building a community. It's around what we do. But also, at the end of the day, we have to remember it's about it's around what we like and the way we explain things. People like to work with us over somebody else who teaches the same thing because they like our approach, right? Yep. And I, f- I hear from so many people like, oh, well, this is what I do and this is what I'm passionate about. And, you know, they're really into it. And then they'll say something like, but I don't know how to say that in marketing speak. And I just want to like take a step back and be like everything you just said, that's exactly how you say it in marketing speak, because the way you speak about it, your passion comes through, your joy comes through, your desire to help people doing what you do comes through. And so that's what's going to resonate with people, right? That's what's going to bring them in and and make that connection. And uh, it's so funny that you love dancing and and travel because kind of that's what I what I love. And one of my most popular emails, or if you will, one of my popular open loops that I have in my welcome series is Mm -hmm. in the next email, I'm going to tell you what travel, dance music and science fiction all have to do with your brand. Mm -hmm. They're like, Ooh, what's that? I want to learn more. And it ties into my idea of you need to have your personal items that you talk about in your marketing. And that's the things that are you that have nothing to do with your business, right? You talked about building your community because you're, you're going out and doing your hobbies and then talking about what you do. And that's what drew people to you first. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I want to underscore something you said. It's so fun. It's so much fun to riff with fellow business coaches and entrepreneurs. Like it's a little off topic, but I, I love this tip is what you put in your PS, like PS, stay tuned for the next email where I'm going to talk about what science fiction and dancing have to do with your business. Like that is one <laughs> of the most commonly read areas of an email. And, yes. you know, oftentimes we're not leveraging it. And I, I also love what you said around just saying it. There's so much formality in, in emails and social media, and that's not fucking fun. You know, like you're going to have a much more sustainable business and a much more sustainable presence if you actually enjoy it. And what makes you enjoy something? You enjoy something when it feels like you're getting to be self-expressive, when it feels fun, when it feels easeful. And for most people, you know, having a stiff, a stiff voice in your marketing is not any of those things. It's really not. And it's not what's going to bring people in or keep them around. You know, in a former life, I wrote strictly for one industry and that was software for the travel industry. But it was so fascinating to me. I would speak with my clients and they tell me things like, yeah, you know, we want to be able to appeal to anybody within the within the hotel structure so that if they read our stuff, they'll understand uh, what we do. Right. I said, okay, Uh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, they had like three decision makers they had to convince and they were all in different areas. So they wanted to be approachable. Right. And so I did something called an FK score, uh, which is really, uh, it's one of the best tools ever for copywriters, or if you're writing your own copy and your own marketing. Uh, And it's, it's a reading score. It's how easy is it to read whatever it is that you're putting out there. And, uh, Basically, it says, okay, at a certain grade level, that's the the level they'll need to be able to understand what you're talking about. And the rule of thumb is below eight is good. Below six is great. Uh, So sixth grade reading level, anything that's at that or below, usually it's really simple and easy for people to understand, read, and then take in. And they had, I believe, an 18 FK score. On uh, the most recent, uh, like five things that I was reviewing just to kind of get a handle on their voice. And so I was like, look, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but nobody can understand what you're saying because Mm. it's too complex, right? It's too Mm -hmm. stiff. It's too formal. It's not explaining uh, in a way that's appealing to other people. And of course, they were all too focused on the tech end as opposed to how it was going to benefit people, but that's a different conversation. But it's really powerful for you to own who you are, be yourself in your marketing, because not only is it more fun and is it going to draw more people in, it's so much easier for you to do it. Like if you're having to constantly sit down and think, well, what's the exact right way to phrase this one sentence? You're going to mm-hmm. spend so much time not see the return because it doesn't sound like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I curse like a sailor. And I remember one of my most popular videos of all time. I hope you don't have to bleep all this out. I'm so sorry if you do. (laughs) Um, Well, Mark, it is explicit. It's all good. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, one uh, One of my most popular videos of all time was a video called You Can Do Whatever the Fuck You Want, where I was just talking about how you can really do whatever you want. Like, it is your brand. And if you want to only, you know, do video content while you're going for a walk around the block, like do it like that will draw your unique client base. If you want to, you know, uh, make videos of yourself dancing and overlay positive affirmations, you know, like you can do it. It's, it's so funny how we come into entrepreneurship looking for rules, not consciously. A lot of us go into entrepreneurship, in fact, because we want to 
not follow the rules of the day job or the rules that other people are giving us. And yet we come in and we, we constrict ourselves. And the truth is, is like you get to have complete freedom and find your own best practices. And a lot of the business people that I respect most built unique business models that did break rules and had to, it didn't work immediately. You know, they had to try something, figure out what worked, what wasn't working and continue to iterate, but it did work. And that's the beauty of, again, branding yourself is that you show up as yourself, you do what you want, and then you go deeper into what sticks. Absolutely. You know, I fell into the same hole, right? When I first got started, I had this idea that, oh, of course, I didn't want to go to a nine to five, but what hours was I essentially keeping nine to five because I was an entrepreneur and doing it all myself? I wasn't keeping nine to five. I was keeping like nine to 10, <laughs> you know, and weekends. Um, yeah. And my family was like, we never see you anymore. I was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> what did I do? So, you know, it's so funny because why did I get into it? Because that's what I wanted to do. And for a very long time, and I still occasionally struggle with this, right? I have this idea that I should be, you know, all of the books say that early risers are the people who get stuff done. And, you know, I tried it for a good six months. And you know what? All I felt was exhausted when I woke up at 6 a.m., no matter how much mm. sleep I'd actually gotten. So, you know, this morning I was like, I want a leisurely morning before doing all of my calls. I got like 10 calls back to back this afternoon. So I was like, all right, that's good. Fantastic. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to read. I'm going to be leisurely. And I'm not going to officially go into the office until late morning. But that's okay because that's the way I get to run my business. I get to choose what my business looks like. I get to choose who I work with. I get to choose what community building looks like for me. And so many of us need to just be reminded of that a little bit, right? It's your yeah. business. It's your brand. And you can run it the way you want to. And the people who like that method, the people who like that structure, they're the ones who are going to stick around. Don't change yourself to please everybody or to please who you think you're going to be needing to please, because then you're never going to be able to be fully yourself when running your business. Drop that mic. <laughs> oh, this is very true. It's very true. So we've talked about so many great and wonderful things here, right? We've talked about how your hobbies can be an asset to your business. We've talked about how you go about building community. I would just love to know, though, uh, what do you still struggle with when building your community? What is something that uh, you'd like to, to see a little bit improvement in? Mm, I think, gosh, that is such a good question. It's a stumper. It is a stumper. I mean, as you asked that, I just realized that I feel so satisfied with the communities that I've built. Like I feel good about the people that are in them. I feel good about the size of them. What else could I, I don't know, could I pass on that question? <laughs> Passing is, of course, an option, but I do want to just uh, dive in a little bit on, you know, one thing that you said, right? You like the size of them. You like the way they're structured. You like the people in them. And yeah. those are all three things that I think, again, many of us are looking for rules and regulations around that and they don't need to be right? So many people are like, well, I want this person in my world because they've got such a huge following, but like you don't click or there's something about them that you know, you, it, they're just not a good fit for the community you're building. And it's up mm -hmm. to you to say, well, that's not a member for me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Or to say, you know, all these people around me, oh my gosh, they've got a list of like 100,000 people. You don't need a list of 100,000 people. If you don't want to be running the type of community that has a list of 100,000 people, that's okay too. You yep. can be successful with a tiny, tiny, tiny list. That's yeah. good too. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, conversion is always high conversion is always better than sheer numbers. High engagement is better than sheer numbers. Like it is the quality of what you create versus the quantity of it. Ah, that's a good quote right there. It is the quality of what you create versus the quantity. Absolutely. So Megan, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom and such great stories uh, with uh, us and and the listeners of the Audience Converter podcast for community leaders. If uh, you had to tell people one next step to take, right? You've mentioned so many great benefits of doing your virtual co-working or of just having the right community. What do you think people should do as that first next step to making sure they're in the right community? I would say give yourself permission to try out a few communities and see what you like. Just give yourself permission to try a few things. And I'd welcome any of your listeners into my virtual co-working community to give it a shot. And, you know, we'll give away a, a free month of co-working at the end of this uh, at the end of this episode. But yeah, you've got to find the people that really resonate for you. Don't compromise on finding a community that lights you up. Ah, such great advice, right? I have been a part of several communities throughout my time. And most of them, it's because I left because who I was changed, where I was in business changed, what I needed from a community change. And that's okay, right? Remember to find the community that's a fit for you where you are. Uh, Occasionally I have found where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a part of this community. I'm so excited about it. But it was 10 steps beyond what I was needing in the moment. So it wasn't Mm. nearly as beneficial as what it could have been. So that's some really great advice, right? Give yourself permission to try more than one community and to really give yourself the opportunity to actually try them out. Don't just join and be on the periphery and not actually involved because that's not useful for you and it's not useful for the community either. Yeah, so true. So Megan, if people want to learn more about you and what you do in the virtual co-working community that you run, where can they go? They can go to Megan, M-E-G-A-N, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Morrison, M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N, dot com. Fantastic, everyone. We will have uh, the link to the show notes along uh, with a link for you guys to try out uh, Megan's uh, co-working community. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and and having such a great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. And I hope to meet some of your, your audience members sometime soon. All right, everyone. Until next time, remember, keep calm and go try out some communities and embrace the love of dance. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast. For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.